So welcome Solid Foundations Podcast. Today, well, my name is Crystal Cooper Regalado. We have, uh, as you guys know, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we have a few things going on. So I am partnering up with Carmine Beauty, and we are doing an event October 28th, and it's... um, there's going to be a certain amount of services. I'll we'll be posting the link on what exactly those services are. Um, so we are going to be doing a interview with Gilbert's going to be our host as well, Gilbert Regalado, your Solid Foundations podcast host, and we have my childhood friend and client Mirari Hernandez, and she is a breast cancer um, survivor. So we're going to go ahead and well backstory. I've known her since junior high, and she's been my client for a very long time, and I've seen her throughout this whole process, and it's just, her strength is amazing, what she's gone through, and I have been along for the ride, and I felt like she would be perfect to have our first guest here to talk about her experience, because she's one remarkable person, and I can't wait for you guys to hear her story. So, Merari. Say hello to the world. Hello. <laughs> well, thank you for the intro, Crystal. Yes. Marari, can you start with life pre-breast cancer? Just give us a short summary of life, what it was like before all this life-changing stuff happened. Um. Well, let's see. So I was working two jobs. Everything was falling into place, being a mom. Just doing what moms do, just taking care of, you know, the child and doing, keeping my my, my mind busy, in other words, like work, because I was working two jobs and that just kept me on my toes, work and my daughter. What what field are you in? Um, I work for a clinic for Samsung and I was as well working at the time for, um, as a supervisor for Resties. Okay. And when you say everything is going into place, things are going good. You're you're working. You're you're putting your money away. You're saving. You're looking mm-hmm. forward. You're looking forward to things. Yes. Yes. And then the date, July third, two thousand seventeen, comes. And that's when my world flipped upside down. Everything changed. So can you run us through? Mm. Well, it actually kind of started a little before. I remember how I had pain on my left breast and I kept trying to put it off and kept thinking to myself, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. But my gut kept telling me, just go to the urgent care and just go get it checked out. Why are you going to wait? Was it, was it what like, kind of pain? Yeah. yeah, like was like, what? can you describe the pain a little bit? It was like a sharp stabbing pain. So whenever laying down or just close on, it was just painful. Like anything, like I couldn't do anything. Like even like literally I used to sleep like on my chest and that was just so painful. I was like, I can't do it. Like, but in my head at the time, I'm like, it's nothing. It's nothing. It took me probably like a good week to be like, no, listen to your gut and go to the urgent care. So I remember calling out of work and I That's went. what I was gonna ask. Were you not going more out of fear of finding out it was something bad or just cause you were like, oh, it'll pass? 
Um, it was fear because there you go, you know, they tell you don't Google nothing. Mm-hmm. And there you go, Googling everything. And so I started Googling and looking into like symptoms and what it meant. And I kept, I remember just putting it off. And then I started noticing like discharge and blood. And I'm like, this is not normal. It's hurting. It's really bothering me. You know what? As much as I fear all this, I have to go. So I just went and I got checked out. They, The doctor there decided to put ultrasound. He's like, you're so young. You know, it's probably nothing. We'll just put a referral um, for the to go to a surgeon and in order for an ultrasound. And from there, everything just seemed to kind of change fast. So prior to that, like you said that obviously during time there was like blood discharge. Were you like, did you feel a lump at that time? Yes. Yeah. I did. Um, I kept feeling it every time because it obviously stays in the back of your head and you're just like. You just feel for it. You're yeah, like, you felt like, it. Yeah. And- yeah. And then you're just, I don't know, like, because it wasn't on the side, it was on the front. So I think that's what really bothered and I, I, I would feel it every time. Like, I'm like, does, is it getting smaller? Is it getting, you yeah. know, like, is it getting bigger? Like, how how is it? And it would just stay the same. I remember I just felt it and I felt like it was a big piece of rock. And I'm like, maybe it would just, you know, like, disappear in my head. It'll just mm-hmm. disappear. But yeah. So it was like hard. It was, it was like yeah. a hard line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, and discharge and blood, is that coming out of, like, the nipple? Yeah, it was from the nipple. But it wasn't a lot, like, for you to, like, or anyone to be like, oh, my gosh, you know. But it was enough for me to notice and alert myself. And I'm like, okay, well, okay, like, like. This never happened. Yeah, before. this yeah. does not happen. Like, you know, yeah. how, how how is it possible? So, and I mean, obviously, I had Google the symptoms for breast <laughs> cancer. And I was like, okay, so I was like, what if it's this? And that's what I think kind of like I was in fear that I didn't I'm like everything is going perfect right now like why why this you know like no so you went to go you finally went in Mm -hmm. um and then they do all these tests and this whole time that you're sitting there you're just like it's not it's not it's not or what was what were you thinking before you even got the results um well that's the thing so I went in I didn't get because all of the stuff needs to get authorized by the insurance so I had to wait um oh my god yes I had to wait um they scheduled the ultrasound like a few days after it wasn't that bad actually because I remember that I had somewhat help to get me in soon and um after that it was just the waiting the waiting and that's when they referred me over to surgery the surgeon the doctor was like oh i don't think it's cancer i think it's um this other type of tumor it's like a fatty kind of tumor but you know you're so young i don't think it is you look up onto you know what other kind of a a fibro a fibro it's called something fibro Mm -hmm. and i'm like okay it's like, you know, but then she's like, we're going to do a biopsy. I'm like, okay. He's like, let's just remove it. Why do you want it? You know, if it's bothering you, this is okay, fine. So we kind of like moved it along into the biopsy. But as soon as a doctor, I remember, cause I was awake for the procedure. But as soon as the doctor had told me, I have to tell you, 
this tumor does not seem normal. You know, I see gray parts in it and she showed it to me and I was like, in the back of my head, I'm like, it's breast cancer. I already know it. I just needed to confirm it. I didn't want to alarm anybody. So I remember just keeping it to myself and it was just that. It was just that. What does that mean that if they were to say this tumor isn't normal? Like what's a normal tumor? Um, I think because she was a... Um, a surgeon for breast like just women in general mm -hmm. and just a surgeon that really knew her tumors already because she's now one of the um, surgeons for oncology now um, she's like amazing but I think to her I think she was the way it just looked she a normal tumor probably didn't look the way that that one looked mm -hmm. with the gray i think she was expecting it to be pinkish whitish but the gray i think kind of alerted her mm -hmm. and she's like you know like i don't know i don't want to give you hopes but i don't want to you know like put you down either like we it's just we have to send it for biopsy let's just make sure and the big difference being if it was a let's say quote regular tumor Mm -hmm. It was something that she'd be able to just take out and then kind of patch you back up and you'd be done. Whereas if, if it's a cancerous tumor, you have a long process after that? Um, no, it was to be the same because it was just a biopsy. I think um, if she would have known like right away, it would have just been like, we still have to book you in for surgery, mm -hmm. you know, to do a mastectomy. But I think, I mean... It was just literally just a simple biopsy kind of thing that she does. Yeah. I think just to make sure that, you know, everything comes out the way she hopes. Yeah, so she just wanted to give you a warning mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. kind of to prepare yourself for when the news I, came. Yeah. I think so. I think that was it because the way that she had first said it, you know, like, you're so young. Like, I, you don't have breast cancer that runs in your family. I, I don't think it's that, but let's just make sure, mm -hmm. you know? And so to me, in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, let's just make sure. But then my gut is like, no, I think this is what you have, but we have to get it confirmed. How long from that day the biopsy happened till you got it confirmed, till you got the news of what it was? It was actually a few days. It did not take that long. I remember it was like at the end of June when I got my biopsy and... On July 3rd, I was actually working. I was at work and I remember that I was like taking care of a patient and um, I had, after I was done, I had told um, my manager at that time if I could take the call. And she's like, yeah, go ahead, just step outside. So I went outside and I had a voicemail. And up to this day, I actually still have the voicemail. So every time I'm like, oh my God, it, my, my heart just dropped. The way she said it, you know. Um, In a voicemail? Yes. In a voice, oh my God. Because I had, I had, yeah, I had let her know that if I didn't answer, because obviously we work for the same clinic. So if I wasn't able to answer, I wanted her to leave the message, a detailed message. Oh, okay. So you yeah. had already let her know that. Okay. Yeah. No, okay, no, that's yes. interesting. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, had, it had to, like, I wanted it because I know that where I'm at, sometimes we get really busy. So I, it's not like I have my phone out and I'm able to be like... You don't want the anxiety phone. prolonged. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if I saw that, 
missed call then I'm like I'm waiting and I'm calling back and then it's kind of like a phone tag kind of thing you know because Mm -hmm. then doctors tend to get busy with other patients so I was like a detailed voicemail message would be best you know so when I heard it I remember I just dropped and I froze and I went and told my manager crying and I'm like I had I can't like I can't work like this it was like literally like an hour and a half I think left for me to be out off work and she's like go home go home to your daughter and I remember clocking out I left and I couldn't drive home I stayed in my car I cried and I cried and I remember that I called my in-law and my best friend and I told them that I had cancer and they were just like no that's a lie I was like no it's the truth I'm like I'm scared but they're just like no my daddy you're gonna be fine and you're gonna be this and I remember that it was just like the hardest thing and after like 20 minutes about like 20 minutes 30 minutes when I calmed down my anxiety had kind of calmed down and I had um I had drove off, thank you, I had drove off and I went home and my daughter wasn't there, no one was at the house at that time and I remember locking myself in the room at the time and I kind of froze and just looked at the ceiling and kind of said, you know, how is it that everything is going perfect for me and then this happens, like have I not been through enough in my life you know did I really deserve this I had to calm down because I didn't want my mom to notice I didn't want my daughter to notice I didn't want anyone to notice but as soon as obviously my whole family knew about my biopsy and so everybody was just waiting back on those results and afterwards I went downstairs because I heard them and the look I will never actually forget the look my mom gave me. She already knew. She just, it was just for me to tell her that I, the, the look that she gave me was like, why, why you, you know, like, I, why my daughter? And I remember my mom just gave me a hug. My daughter just started crying, telling me, mom, are you going to die? Oh. And that broke me because I'm like, you know like what if I do like what if I can't do this what if I you know choose not to like go through this treatment what if I just you know like I just have my surgery and let it be whatever it's gonna be and it just kind of stayed like that like what what was your thought process before were you like holding just holding it all together by a string expecting that when this call came that you very well could have cancer or the whole time were you telling yourself no everything's going to be fine it's going the call's going to come back and she's going to say everything is good now it's you know take this pill and, and it'll dissolve or mm-hmm. or something like that um no i think well i think in my, my the way i was thinking at the time i was like okay you know, usually, like they say, you know, when it's bad news, you hear it right away. You mm-hmm. know, like that's the first thing. 
And so I'm like, I've, I waited and I'm like, no, it's like, maybe it's nothing. She hasn't called, you know, I'm okay. And it's nothing to worry about. But I think my gut was more like, no, just wait for it. Like you're like, just wait, you know, I think, and it, I think that's why I've learned to just go with my gut. When your gut tells you something, you know, it's, I think it's more correct than whatever your mind is thinking. So I think it was like, it was just that, like I, I knew it, but I wanted to be in denial. Mm -hmm. And I actually stayed in denial for like the longest time, even after seeing like my, my surgery, like anything and everything, I stayed in denial for it. And sometimes up to this day, I still stay in denial about it. It's just, I think it's something that is just hard, but at the same time, you don't want to accept it. You just want to be like, oh, just try and live like before, but mm -hmm. no, no, no. Doesn't happen. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> and, and I'm sure you're from the, so your mom knew that you were facing this? Yes. Um... Yeah, because everybody knew about my biopsy. Um, I had told everybody that I had gone to the urgent care and the reasons why I had. Um, and then when I had my biopsy, actually, like, they went with me. Um, and so we waited because they had told me that I wasn't going to be able to drive because of, like, the medications that mm -hmm. they were going to give me. Even though I was like, why wait for the whole thing? So I saw everything. Mm -hmm. um, we just she just waited you know but i think it was the same i think she she told me like plenty of times you know i think i just wanted to be in denial also you know that you wouldn't have this you mm -hmm. know but i didn't because i didn't expect it like how if it doesn't run in our family and usually breast cancer is for happens more to patients that have it like in the genes mm -hmm. you know or have a mutation or have a history in the family so so, oh, so like as soon as you got the results in your voicemail mm -hmm. like how soon were you at the doctors like how soon did this treatment like did this treatment start or did you even like from that phone call to when was the, what it was the next step um the next step was pretty much to meet up with the surgeon um to go over the results because obviously it was just a voicemail confirming that the cancer but there was so much to it like what kind of you know cancer it was what like the type of was it aggressive was it not aggressive was there her too was there lymph nodes all of this you know like having to test you for so many other things that I was just like oh my gosh it was appointment after appointment so pretty much after I got the the cancer um positive back um I it was obviously it was fourth of July so we were closed so the following day it was actually the day that actually I went in to the office um because the doctor said he's like I don't want you to wait I need you to come in and my surgeon my surgeon my um surgery scheduler is going to fit you in i need you to come in and we need to discuss what the next steps are so it was actually she she moved everything along like really really fast yeah i see your problem as twofold like not only do you got to deal with your own emotions of you're sick mm -hmm. and you need to take care of yourself but you're also a mother and so you also have your daughter mm -hmm. like and i think it would be very helpful to somebody else who's in your situation is like how do you talk to your kids about that do you let them know like as early as when you found out 
and how do you keep them informed along the way? So that was actually a little hard um, because my daughter actually has a heart condition. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want her to have to worry. She has enough on her plate to have to worry about, you know, her own symptoms and having to run to someone like, mom, my chest hurts, mom, my side hurts, mom this, mom that, you know. So to me, it was it was hard, but I think she knew what was going on and she knew that it was going to be like she wanted to just be a part and be helpful. She's like, like, we can do this literally to her. It was more like, like, you're going to be fine. You're going to be OK. You know, she was scared. I can tell she was scared because. Obviously, she she was going to lose, like, her mom, who she knew her mom's identity, you know, like, something totally different because, obviously, you lose your identity. You don't know who you are. Like, no. They, she didn't get to see the person that I, I was, you know, except for probably the way that I talk, you know, but the, the physical appearance was different to her, you know. So she knew, and I told her, kind of a little like not like the whole story like what it is because she was so young she mm -hmm. you know i mean maybe she would have understood but i think i might you know like i don't want to give her full details and scare her you know because i mean she's a girl like i don't want her to fear you know being a woman and so um it was kind of more like you know mom is sick and mom is going to go through certain treatments and I just need you to be patient, you know, with me. Sometimes your dad's going to have to take you to certain appointments, you know, your aunts are going to have to take care of you sometimes. And she's like, okay, like she was fine. I mean, I don't think she liked the fact because it's always been me. Mm -hmm. Mom, you know, take me to school. Mom picks me up. Mom takes me to the doctor. Mom, you know, mom, mom. And I think it was a time where she kind of wasn't like, okay, like my mom is not going to be able to be there. It's like mm -hmm. she was understanding about everything. And and how old just, was she at the time? Um, She's 12 right now. So she was what? Um, like eight, eight, nine. I think like eight or nine. Yeah. And so all this well, from when you found out to when you to when the surgery date was scheduled all happened within a month yeah because you said they moved it along mm -hmm. pretty rapidly yeah and so date of surgery can you tell us about that um my date on my surgery actually was the scariest like um because not because i the way that everything was supposed to move along was okay, you're going to get your surgery, you're going to get the mastectomy, get reconstruction, and then get chemo. But because there was certain things that did not go as the doctor had planned, everything had to be kind of changed around at the last minute. And I remember actually my surgeon was actually kind of upset because she's like, you know, you're so young, I didn't want you to do this and I wanted to do it this way, but obviously things change so you know now we're gonna have to change the plan and this is how we're gonna do it so when it got down to my surgery i had to be there quite early because they had to do the um the uh, the guided needle biopsy 
on my right side because they thought that they that there was a tumor on that side so they wanted to make sure that when I went to surgery that they can also buy, do the biopsy on that side and um, that day was just so painful I remember that one of the nurses or I don't even like know what she was doing my IV she like popped she didn't do it in the vein so the saline like spilled and my arm just burned. I have this biggest bruise on my arm for like the longest time. And I'm like, I was like ashamed to even look at my arm because I'm like, dude, like this looks so bad. It looks so bad. I'm like, this hurts. And so, um, that happened. So then when I get into my surgery, I remember that my, my, anesthesiologist mm -hmm. oh he was so kind he's like don't worry we're gonna dose you with a couple of you know cups of wine and I'm like oh because he saw that my you know my anxiety was so bad I couldn't stop crying and my sister was there my mom was there I had like everybody there and only certain amount of people can go behind the pre-op you know before you go into surgery and so I remember my mom telling me, you're going to be fine. My sister, I remember seeing my sister cry. And I started crying even more because then my anxiety really started because then they started bullying me. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, is this real? Is this really real? And I remember getting into the OR and the, 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 the guy was like, okay, you know, you're going to count and are you still feeling good? And I remember I was calm and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then I was knocked out. I was like, you know, like, thank you. Thank you for making me feel comfortable, you know, <laughs> like, but then I think the fear came afterwards when I knew I had to stay the night at the hospital because, um, they had to make sure that everything was okay since I had a mastectomy and on top of that I had lymph nodes biopsy so they had to remove seven lymph nodes to make sure that the cancer had not spread and the doctor is like we need to pump you with a lot of pretty much you know antibiotics make sure that you're okay before we let you go and either when you get discharged you know um you're gonna get sent home with um with this little like, like um, like a little tube that hangs out from your side, you know you're gonna have to make sure you you know you clean it out, like make sure that the the output of the liquids you know is not high, and that it's going low and this and I'm like oh my god, like it was the worst, you know having to go home with that and not being able to really sleep good because obviously you can't move mm -hmm. like everything is so like traumatized you know like your nerves obviously they they, they cut your nerves down so you're yeah. just like it's just the feeling was just heavy like and then you know having to think that you know now because the lymph nodes have been damaged it's like hard for me to be like okay you know i can do this i can do that with my arms like you can like so that surgery that you had in August, which is your first surgery, uh -huh. that was to take out like pretty much your whole breast? Yes, they removed my whole breast. Um, and just to make sure that they removed like the whole cancer. And that's when they did the seventh, seventh lymph node biopsies along with it. And so you, you stay in the hospital for a few days recovering. 
And where do you go to recover outside of the hospital? Um, I went back home. I, I stayed home with my daughter. Um, at that time, well, obviously, I went on medical leave because I wasn't going to be going to back to work anytime soon. Um, so I just recovered at home and it just kind of was, it was a little hard because obviously I couldn't move my arm because it's so tight. Like you just feel a lot of pressure, but I think it was more like, and I mean, you feel like all hunched over, like you can't really straighten up. It, it was just, it was miserable, but it wasn't as bad. Like, I think it was just miserable, like having to deal with the pain, having to deal with that little thing hanging out from the side, you know, <laughs> and then having to take care of your daughter because mm -hmm. it was just it was just me and her. So my sister would be the one that actually came over and helped me out whenever she got my daughter would get hungry or, you know, she was the one buying either my daughter food or cooking for my daughter because I couldn't cook because I couldn't move my arm. And it's like moving my arm just was a big no, no. So under all those circumstances, is there any room for relief? Like, was there any relief knowing that it's out of your body or that just kind of no. messed it all up? No, that that just, it fades. It uh -huh. faded. Like, there was, I don't think it has ever came to the point where, like, okay, like, I'm back, you know. Not, not even up to this day. And what what was life going on from that point? Like, what things that you remember from your past just totally changed besides um, the physical aspect obviously i think i became more emotional um if before i was like i think a little harsh on myself i became worse on myself um i i mean i listen to my body now like whenever i know like there's something that my gut tells me you listen you do it um I've, I mean, I, I think I became more negative towards me, like in, in every kind of way. Mm -hmm. Like I can be kind, I can be nice, but to myself or like, I think it's just, it was just something that kind of changed me. And where did that come from? You think like, why, why? Um, I think it was just being mad at life just me mad at life that's why i asked so because a lot of people when they get mad at life it's easy for them to point the finger at mm -hmm. everybody else but themselves so yeah. why do you think you blamed it on yourself because i felt like i didn't take care of my body i felt oh, okay. like you know instead of you like treating it good you know working out and eating healthy and you know getting checkups it's like you're eating junk food, you're drinking, you're just, you know, doing really nothing, you know, you're not doing nothing. So I got mad at myself because I was young. I could have taken care, better care of myself, you know, to probably try to avoid that. But instead I decided to do the opposite, even though that at that time I was actually just really working, like overdoing it, I think. And I'm like, you know, like trying to always keep busy at the time and so I felt like I was overdoing it stressing and not eating good and you know like all of this so you so felt much. like you put this cancer in you by not mm -hmm. taking care of yourself mm -hmm. so all that blame was I did this to myself yeah. yeah it's a big burden to carry yep did you see that affecting because you felt that way about yourself your relationships with others um yeah I did because I think a lot of people wanted to be there for me and 
I shut out a lot of people. I like at first I didn't want anyone to know about my cancer. I didn't want anyone. I hit it. I literally hit it and I didn't come out till my daughter was the one that kind of motivated me and another person that motivated me to be like, you know what? Like you need to talk about it because you're strong, you know. And to me, I don't see it like that. But I guess in their eyes, I was you know, so I was like, okay, fine, you know, like, but no. Well, but those people saying <laughs> that, did that, that started helping you believe it? No, 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 not up to this day. I, I can still like, I don't know. I, I think it's just, I just am so hard on myself and it's just the constant reminders of the scars, the constant, you know, appointments, the fear that you live with each day like what if it comes back what if it must metastasize? you know like it goes or spreads somewhere like, like what you, if this what if that like even to this day like because that's what something that you were feeling and going through and thinking at that time even to this day do you that's what you feel like you gave yourself that cancer by not taking care of yourself yeah yeah i still i still think about it so i try to like just not think so much because I know that I feel like I hurt myself more instead of like being positive towards myself mm -hmm. and being like okay you know it happened you're here you're good you know no like I will stop and think like that's not something you should be doing you know like that's what caused it in the first place and, and I don't know I just put myself down a lot a lot and what what was worse you think the the finding out in the surgery part or what followed after when it comes to the recovery process and the chemo and everything that the side effects of the chemo Wait, what do you mean like, like what what part of your experience was worse the, oh. the finding out in the surgery or the after the recovery process I think just finding out like just finding out that you had can that you have cancer had cancer at the time because it's like it follows up by a lot of scars and it's not just like physical it's like emotional mm -hmm. so it's like a lot of things like any little thing sometimes can just open up a wound you know and you're just like oh my gosh oh my gosh you know yeah. so it just i don't know it's i just feel like just from the beginning it it was it was all downhill it was all downhill so I know that like, so I know you got the surgery mm -hmm. and then there was a time period after the surgery where I remember you were in my chair and you're like, I don't know if they told me to do chemo, but they already took it out. Should I just eat healthy? And I was like, <laughs> fuck yeah, just eat healthy. Like, what do you mean? Why do they want to give you chemo if they already took it out? And like, I remember I was like, you were in my chair for like two, three hours and we we're just still like, you were researching and we we're mm -hmm. talking about it. Like why do they do that like what was the reason for them to do chemo if they already took the cancer out um because from what they had told me and i pretty much what i had researched was you know you never you can never be so certain like certain that every little cell of cancer has been removed from your body oh. so by them removing that tumor, it didn't mean that there was no other cell that, you know, like kind of went around, you know, but it still hasn't settled, you know, where it wants to grow. So to them, it was, no, this is the reason why we want to do, you know, chemo is not, we wouldn't offer it, you know, if it, we wouldn't think it would help you down the road. So to them, it was 
okay, you know, like now you have this, we think we removed everything, but we're not so sure we did, you know, like we removed the area where we saw the cancer, but even through like a CT scan or MRI scan, they can't tell whether there's another cell, you know, like oh. around the body that has kind of left this little area. And chemo kills those cells. Yeah, because it's like, it goes through the veins. So obviously it like goes through your whole body. And so wherever that little cell decides to go, the chemo will travel and get to it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I know like taking us back to you when you were deciding what what was that shift why did you decide that because i remember you leaving you're like now nah, i'm gonna eat healthy like i'm yeah. not gonna do it so like yeah. what was that shift um i think it was more like getting the information that i needed and my doctor my oncologist i think she the way she explained things and even though you literally would think it was just gibberish you know <laughs> The way she explained and wrote everything down on literally the paper in front of me, it was more like of an eye-opener. Like, you know, you don't do this. You can walk out the door, but if cancer comes back, you know, like pretty much it's me to blame for because you didn't want to do the chemo. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I was like, as much as I hate wanting to do this, you know, like I think it's something that opened my eyes and I'm like, oh, like don't think about it just do it you yeah. know just just do it well, like, especially when you already blamed yourself for getting exactly. it in the first place oh, yeah and exactly then, <laughs> well that i would have carried that guilt more with me than i already had at the mm -hmm. time so i'm like just do it just do it but i remember that i the doctor was like well what are you scared of you know and i think she was looking for the response you know like life itself you know and uh, i remember that i'm like no like i've struggled so much throughout my life like you know and then my hair and she's like your hair <laughs> damn straight <laughs> i'm like it took me so long you know to get to where i was at at the time and so i was like you know it's just life he's like well i remember she's like well we can you know like your hair will grow like that's something you know that will grow and as much as she tried to like tell me and stick it in my head i'm like no like no i don't want it i don't want it and she's like okay you need to relax you know because i remember that i was crying my anxiety had gone up like crazy and she was like okay like let's just take a breather let's calm down and you know and i'm like okay because i remember that i just started like fiddling with my fingers and my hands and they were sweating and i because i didn't want to do the chemo i really didn't but the way that she kept explaining it and telling me you know it was going to be the best option for me mm -hmm. and she's like let me narrow down the medications that would work best for your type of cancer you know because instead of shooting me up with different kinds of chemo medications she said let me just narrow it down we'll send your biopsy you know to another clinic where they will tell me whether the medications that we plan to put will react to the to the tumor and if they do those are the medications we're gonna stick with and I was like okay so that kind of eased me off I'm like okay well I guess it's not gonna be so much you know being infused because there was one medication that I, I was afraid of, like, I didn't want to get it because that medication can, like, affect your heart. And I was, like, <laughs> more, like, 
like the side effects like are you serious you know and so i'm like i just i remember they called it like the red devil something like that oh yeah i don't want that and it's literally red like when you see the medication it's red like the way that they put it like i'm like no i don't want it i don't want it i don't want it so tell us about like your first chemo my first chemo let's see oh well that day was (laughs) it was scary um actually my mom went with me the first time and um i remember i was scared i was nervous because i knew i was gonna be there for like about two hours they had to inject me with like saline and a bunch of steroids so i wouldn't throw up and um i had like three different like kind of chemo bags two three different kind of chemo bags that just kept coming and i'm like oh this is going in you know like i was afraid and then um before that before though i started my my um my chemo i remember i had seen my doctor and my doctor was like oh you know like we're gonna start your treatment today are you good do you feel good i'm like well no i don't feel good i'm (laughs) scared but you know like what can i do you know and I remember she's like, okay, so you're sure you don't want to have kids down the future, you know? And I'm like, yes, I'm sure. I don't want no more kids, you know? Because I was so mad at myself. So, like, I just wanted to, like, just beat myself up for it. But then I remember getting a call and my world changed right there. They're like, what are you thinking, you know? Like, he had told me, say, no, you better save yourself, you know? And so I decided to tell the doctor the last minute, no, you know, this, this, and that. Okay, he's like, we'll save your ovaries. You'll get this new last shot. Oh, man, I thought it was going to be the easiest thing. So we started the chemo. I had to stay another, like, extra 30 minutes, I think, because they need to make sure that you don't react to it and that you're good. So do you, like... So after, so you, you stay there while they inject you uh-huh. and then they just send you off? Um, yeah, well, you, they, they have to make sure that like the last drop of like chemo gets in you, like the last drop. So they have to like pump you with saline and, um, they watch you for like a few minutes. But every time though that I had my chemo done, I had to get the shot of Nulasta, that Nulasta, and the, it was new last year, and there was this other one to pr- to save my ovaries at the time because me being so stubborn and not wanting to have no more kids down the road, you know, like that's what happens when you decide to just jump in and beat yourself up for things that you don't think correctly. So the new last year, um was to I would get it after I was done that's why I would stay so they would watch me and then I would get my new lasta which is to um boost up your white count that way you have you don't feel so bad after the chemo you know like your bone marrow starts to create okay because I always that's why I wanted to ask you that was because I always I mean I only see what I see in the movies right mm-hmm. like it's like oh they're always throwing up after it takes so much like what's that like your experience no actually no not at all like um i think because they would pump me with so much um steroids and they would send me home with steroids i never took them i only would take for the when here and there when i feel nauseous or just didn't feel good i would take my ativan 
um, which helped me. I didn't even have to take the whole tablet. Like even a fourth of the tablet would kind of calm me down. Oh, so I never really felt not like nauseous or really threw up. It was more like just tired and I just wanted to really sleep and just get rest. Okay. So with the chemo, I know this is this was something that was hard for you was the hair loss. And I, yes. I mean, you're my client. I know your hair. And I know, like, your hair was as it is to everybody. To most people, it's part of their identity. It's their comfort blanket. And yes. yours, we did a lot to get it to where it was. Yes. And I know that that was something that was really difficult for you. Yes. So I kind of want you to dive into that um, experience if you're open to that. Yes. Um. So... I lost my hair probably a month after I had gotten my first infusion for chemo. Um, I ended up in the hospital and when I was in the hospital because um, I didn't have any white counts so my body couldn't fight off any like um, any infections and I had gotten pain on my jaw so they had decided to pretty much hospitalize me because they thought that that I needed to get keep getting infused with like antibiotics so when it all started actually at the hospital because I would like brush my hair and I would just see like hair coming off and I'm like no like there I go again you know Mm -hmm. trying to be in denial that anything would happen to me and then I guess in home and then I remember getting in the shower and my sister was there and my in-law was there um and I got in the shower and everybody had told me, you should cut your hair because that way it doesn't make it so hard for you, you, <laughs> you know, were like, when no. you lose it. Yes. And I was like, no, like, my hair's not going to fall off and I'm going to be fine. And, you know, and they're like, okay, you know, it's like, but maybe you should just a heads up. That way you don't feel it so hard on yourself, you know, and you can kind of get used to having short hair and I'm like, no, like after looking, you know, having grown out my hair for that time and getting it to the purple that I wanted, you know, it was (laughs) like, no, like how, like, how am I going to cut it? So I let it so that that day that I got in the shower, I remember just washing my hair and I had shampoo, obviously, in my hair, so I couldn't open my eyes and I just felt chunks coming out. And I was like, no, like I remember starting to cry in the shower and I couldn't open my eyes because I had soap. And I was like, no, like this is not happening. This is not happening. Obviously everything falling out, like I couldn't rinse really good. And so then when I finally got out, I remember I just looked down and I saw it and I'm like, oh my gosh, my hair, my hair that my heart dropped it I just felt like disappearing at the moment and I felt like everything was gone like everything like I already had a scar and then I felt like I looked swollen from the chemo and then comes the hair loss so I was like where am I who am I like I looked at the mirror and I just remember having little patches of hair and I got dressed and I remember going to my sister and I'm like, do you have your, um, some scissors? And she's like, why? And I was like, because I need them. And she's like, 
why and I was like I just need them like and I just broke down and I told her and I'm like I lost my hair and I remember she just hugged me and she's just it's okay Mirari you're gonna be fine it's it's your hair but you know like it's okay you're gonna be fine you're gonna beat this and you're gonna be okay and then my in-law came out and she's like what's going on and she kind of knew my sister went into the bathroom she removed all my hair from the shower and she just threw it away and like made it seem like nothing was happening you know like but I think if I didn't have them there at the time that I did I don't know what would have what would have been of me I really don't know it was it was just hard it was the hardest thing to just see such a dramatic change from one you know from one thing to another to another to another like back to back it was just like it doesn't give you the opportunity to let nothing sink in like okay I have this I can live with this you know like it was just back to back to back so I'm like no so i remember that day my in-law and my mom and everybody all of them they went out to get me my wig and it had to be a purple hair <laughs> because they knew i love my purple hair and that's the only wig that i would really wear like even though people were like oh it's so pretty i'm like thank you <laughs> <laughs> But I'm like, in my head, I'm like, if you only knew, like, all the negative, again, you know, if you only knew it wasn't even my hair, like, you wouldn't even be complimenting it, and, you know, like, all this negative, like, mm -hmm. it would just always go after me all the time, like, there was never a time where I don't think I really ever thought negative about it, ever. And the scissors, were they, because you wanted to, like, just go and cut the rest, the rest. off? yeah um like to the root or no i wanted to be able to cut it enough that i could just shave my own head because most of it really fell off and there was like little patches everywhere that were still really stuck on i wasn't gonna yank them so i just cut them and then i started just shaving my own head and so your assistant didn't help you with that part no i didn't want no one no one ever saw me bald besides my daughter because obviously she slept with me um and every time i went i was anywhere around the house i was always wearing like a beanie or mm -hmm. i was any time i went out it was always my my wigs like i never no one ever really saw me bald except for probably crystal as well but other than that mm -mm. and was that the would you say like the lowest moment yeah that's when I felt like I really hit rock bottom because I think I shut down a lot of people. I remember that day, like, I couldn't even, I couldn't be on the phone. I couldn't talk to anybody. I just wanted to be alone. Like, I just, I felt like I needed to be alone. So you're in the mirror and you're, you're shaving it. Like, what exactly are, like, was it just get it over with? Or were you, like, talking to yourself in the mirror? Were you trying to get through it? Like... What was like that thought process of picking up clippers and doing that? Mm. I think it was more like I didn't want to see myself. I really didn't. So what I did was grab my mirror and I would just shave. Like I would just kind of look in the back. You know, I didn't want to see my face because I, mm. I had a hard time looking at myself and accepting the cancer medari at the time. 
So what I would do is at that time that I did that, I remember I looked at myself, I cried and I just wrapped myself up like my head up with the towel because I didn't want to keep seeing myself. And so what I did was went out to go get the scissors and I went to go get an extra mirror. I started clip like cutting everything that I could feel. So when it got down to shaving, I would just turn around and have the mirror so I could only see like half of my face. I didn't want to see my whole, I didn't want to see my whole self. I couldn't. I couldn't. How long did that last for when you hit rock bottom? How long till you started kind of going up from there? I think that actually started happening when um, I started seeing my hair grow. When I started kind of closing where they were like doing the reconstruction, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, okay, you're getting there, you're getting there, little by little, you know. And then I got my extensions and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I can feel that kind of at peace for myself. I'm like, I have my hair, you know, like I would even text Crystal, is this long enough, you know, to put in the extensions? And I just, it kind of like that kind of eased me up a little into not being like so harsh on myself. But there is just moments where I just. I just have my moments where I'm like, no, you did this, you did that, and this is because of that, you know, so. But you were able to ease up on yourself mm -hmm. because you've seen yourself being reconstructed again? Yeah, yeah. Even though I knew it was all, like, fake. I see it fake. Mm -hmm. I don't see myself. I just see, like, like, plastic. I see fake. That's all I see. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it was better than just seeing myself where I was when I had lost. I felt like I had lost everything, like my whole identity. And were you going to work during this time? No. I was at home most of the time. So you had all that free time on your hands, which I'm sure didn't help, right? No. Yeah. No. Um, it was, yeah, I was just at home. I couldn't work because um, just... I was always tired. My bones would hurt because uh, Nulasta attacks, I think, your bones. And mm -hmm. so your body aches. So all you really want to do is just kind of sleep off. And it was just more like I wanted to rest. So I, there was no way that I would have been able to get up. Mm -hmm. So it was just pretty much picking up my child, taking her to school, picking her up. That was the only time that I really ever went out. Like, otherwise... I had all this other time and it was mainly sleeping and in my room. Were you still able to be there with her, make her like dinner, read books? Or yeah, here and there, whenever I felt up to it, yes. Um, but when it was more like, it, it would always take that one week and a half to pretty much really get myself back up. Mm -hmm. And she knew it. So she knew that like whenever I felt like that, she would kind of back off and let her, let like let mom be mom, you know, like let her rest. And then my my mom, my sister would keep her entertained, you know. So mm -hmm. then after when I started kind of feeling like myself is when we would be like, oh, let's go here. Let's go there, you know, like here and there. But I tried not to go out because I knew my white counts were so low I didn't I wanted to avoid the exposure to getting sick in a week and a half from the chemo mm -hmm. yeah 
So, taking it back to the hair, because, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because it's like, I know what that meant to you. Like, obviously, you just explained what it meant to you. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I remember when we were doing the extensions, you wanted the blue extensions. And Mm -hmm. I was like, are you sure? You don't want to do the purple? And you were just, no. You didn't want to see purple in your hair for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, that was hurtful to you because yeah. you kept, it kept bringing back, you know, the, your old hair. Mm-hmm. So, recently, I would say, what, a couple months? Yeah. You, you're like, I'm ready. I want purple hair. I was like, oh, my God, yes, let's, look at, <laughs> let's get you in. So, what was that shift? Because it's not like, oh, I just decided purple. Like, there was a lot of emotional behind mm-hmm. that. Like, what was that shift? Um, I think it was more like... Kind of wanting to get the old me back, and I think it was just every every everywhere I would turn, it was just purple hair. I'm like, I want my purple hair. Like, I want it. I need it. But I think it was my fear of like, you know, can I even do this because I'm a cancer patient? Like, can I really even bleach my hair? I had to really feel like I was secure that I knew what I was gonna do back again to my body. And I was like, okay, like, I think Purple's calling me now. Like, I'm ready for this. And I wanted to get a little bit of me back. And I felt like my hair was long, was growing. And I'm like, okay, like, I think I can do this. Like, I want my purple hair. Like, that's where I stopped being mean. Like, I need something back from the old Merari. Like, I want that. And so I think that, like, it was more like a me, like, thinking for myself and not thinking so negative at the time and being like, okay, you're ready. Like, you got this, you know? Mm-hmm. So. And I still don't think you give yourself a much credit of, like, how powerful and how amazing you are, especially, like, everything that you've gone through. And, like, yeah, you say, like, you tell yourself these negative things and I think a lot of people do and you blame Mm -hmm. yourself but I don't think you see like how great you are thank you but no I don't (laughs) I really that's why I wanted you on here I hope you like see how strong you are and the person that you are now looking back to the Mirati that just got the results like what would you tell her like what would you tell her I would just say cry it out and you're going to make it. You're going to get through it just like you did once. You'll do it again. Do you see yourself now more like you're back to your old self? Or that you're somebody new now that you've survived and you're past it? Um, I see myself as some someone new. Like, um, I get very emotional easily. Like... I'm not like any any little thing really gets to me like even somebody just screaming at me sometimes I'm like why are you screaming at me watch the notebook you cry out the whole yeah and um I think it's just I think I'm more alert like of my like just my own physical body and anyone that like is close to me you know, like, I'm like, no, don't do this. No, don't do that. Like, watch out. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like because I feel like I didn't do enough for me. I want to be able to do what I can for the people that are close to me. I don't want, like, I don't want to see anybody have to go through it because it's, it's heartbreaking and 
it's hard and you just feel like you if you have that you want to be able to put it out there you know so i don't i don't know i feel like i'm not the same person that i was before at all and along with the new you is there a new way of life like are 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 you eating different are you doing more healthy choices or yes um i mean here and there i'll i'll have like a drink um and it's usually i try to stick more to red wine for some weird reason i heard like red wine is just better obviously it's not all the time you know we don't want to go get drunk <laughs> moderation yeah um, <laughs> and um i mean i try to eat more veggies try to eat more organic um i don't i don't like to eat a lot of red meats um because it seems that like they it's just a lot of processed food that i try to avoid um i mean talking to my dietitian it was kind of hard to balance everything out only because there was a point where i was just not eating at all mm-hmm. it was just protein shakes water vitamins really no much of a food and so it was kind of hard because i'm like i'm not getting i'm getting the nutrition but it wasn't enough for my body that required after being injected with so much chemo you know like it just it wasn't i wasn't doing enough yet you know so i remember that they had to get me in with a dietitian um and the dietitian was like well i need you to eat this i need you to eat that so i little by little i kind of started to add more veggies and more fruits um and kind of let go of the meat i mean i I had already stopped eating a lot of the meats because i knew it wasn't something great for your body as it was you know so i tried to eat more white meats like chicken turkey um it's just veggies and fruits and i try to stick to that as much as i can and try to avoid a lot of processed foods because i know they're bad mm-hmm. especially after being you know like going through cancer and then on top of it like i hate the fact that sometimes i can't even i see barbecue food you know like when they do carne asada mm-hmm. well yeah that's not something that i can eat you yeah. know and it's so hard because i'm like okay just a piece you know just to take out the want you yeah. know but it's not something that i can have because i guess from what they have said those kinds of things even a burnt tortilla can carry carcinogens Mm -hmm. i think that's what it is i love my tortillas burnt (laughs) yeah well that's not something that i can have because that the carcinogens obviously you're eating them and so there's cancer jeez so there's so much that you gotta learn yeah are you feeling the difference with the new diet no 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 <laughs> like no she's like, i'm gonna be brutally honest no no like i want to. i mean i sometimes i feel like it's okay but it's just it's the way that i have a really bad eating problem like there's times where i will eat but it's not the healthy foods you mm-hmm. know and it's if it's on the go i'm just like you know let's just grab something easy and let's go and that makes it sometimes so easy for you to just do you know as to grabbing something that's gonna take a little bit of time but it's gonna be healthier for your body so it it just really it like varies like sometimes i'll feel fine and sometimes i'm like okay you know i'm energetic and Mm -hmm. and i think it's because i'm eating this and i'm eating that you know but 
there's other times where I just want to give up and I'm like, why can't I just eat that? Like, I want that so bad, you know? But and then I think of it, uh, no, let's just walk away right now, you know? <laughs> like, I think about it, I'm like, let's go. Let's turn around. The struggle like, is real. Yeah. I'm like, no, I can't. Like, I, so I just kind of have to be careful sometimes. Like, I can't over just do it here and there, you know? Like, like even my patties, like, they have, they're like homemade. I will not buy them. They will be homemade and they'll be like turkey or they they will have like veggies mixed in them. You know, it's like you got to learn the way around it, you know, like to just try and stay as healthy as as I can. Like, yeah. just is there anything you from the social media channels? Let's, <laughs> let's see. I have it. Hold on. So, I kind of put the question out there really late, like, when you got here. Mm-hmm. So, um, from Kenley, not a question, she's badass. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, Christina, hi, Meta. Can't wait to hear it. What has been the biggest obstacle since recovery? Um, the biggest obstacle, I think, has been having to still see myself in the mirror and still see my every day. I don't think that's something that will ever get it any easy. But, I mean, I think I've learned to just live with it. But it's that I don't think I'll ever get used to. Yeah, constant reminder. And yeah, it's a constant reminder because, I mean, you have them. I have them everywhere. And it's like the mirror's right there, you know? So it, it just makes it hard for you to be like, okay you know and i mean maybe i should think sometimes a lot of people tell me you know like they're your battle scars and they should be beautiful you know but i'm like it's called it's hard to say that they're beautiful when you know that a part of you wasn't good when a part of you has been taken away and now it's just it's there and it's not real so have you ever met with someone that was a survivor a survivor that thought that they were beautiful or had a different perspective than you? Um No. Um I have not. Not like an actual like person that I can talk to. Um a lot of the girls that I kind of connected with were through media. Um, they were around my age. They were kind of going through the same thing that I went through around the same timing. Um, and so it was kind of more like, um, a far kind of let's text through media kind of thing where I would see women that I'm just like, oh my gosh, and I'm complaining and I have this and they have that and I'm over here still complaining. Like that would sometimes like really shut me up and I'm like, just shut up, Mirari, like move on, Mm -hmm. you know? But then I'm like oh like why like I go back down you know so it's just kind of trying I guess to sometimes find a balance in everything you know but I think my scars will always be like a constant reminder of everything that I went through and it's just painful it's just it will always be painful like I don't think it'll ever get any easier but it also sounds like it's a work in progress if you're able it to is. empathize with others that they have it worse and you're, you you have that perspective for that time being, mm-hmm. I think that's just going to get bigger and bigger. 
Yeah, it, it is a work in progress. Sometimes I can be like, okay, you're fine. You know, they're, they're, they're just there, you know, like you can live with them. But I don't know, like it's just the fact that it's not you, like just your own you. I think mm -hmm. that's that's what sometimes gets to me, you know, but it's, then we go again, you know, like you got that, like you're fine, you know, like other people probably are not as lucky as you are. So, mm -hmm. it's just a real big work in progress right now. <laughs> keep that mindset. Yeah. Was there any other questions? Marari, is there anything you'd like to close with? Mm, yeah, just never give up and, you know, keep your focus and count on the people that are there for you. Don't shut them out. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't <laughs> shut them out. You'll need them. You'll really need them. Even if it's just to cry out whatever little thing is. Thank you. I I appreciate you telling your story and being open and just raw emotion. I I respect you. I appreciate you. And thank you for sharing. Of course. And I know it's my first time meeting you, but sitting across the table with you and talking with you, it's very hard for me to see that negative Marathi that you say is in your mind. I, I don't see it at all from, from right here, especially you being here and, and talking with us on, on the podcast, knowing that it's going to be heard. I'm not think... seeing you in my chair, girl. So you are stronger, and I don't think you give yourself credit for it. No, I think it was. it's just more like I want women to listen to their bodies, even men, you know, because it can happen to men, too. It's not just women. And if I feel that I can put myself out there after hiding myself, like, I want people to listen to their bodies. Listen to your gut. Like, don't put yourself, you know, like, at last. Like, you are your own priority and you can always be your own priority. And and I know that sometimes we're so busy that we don't listen to our bodies, you know. We wait till the last minute. Like, let's, let's just not do that, especially, like, when it comes to something so serious because, I mean, I, if, I, if it was for me, I would have probably caught this a long time ago, you know? Like, when it was stage one and it became stage two, like, luckily, I listened and, you know, like, I did what I had to do, so. Yeah. Well, once again, thank you and of for... Of course, you guys. Of course. Um, so once again, I do want to let our listeners know we will be having an event October 28th and all of our proceeds go to Christina Martinez. Um, just a little background of her story. She got diagnosed as she was pregnant, so she did have to deliver her baby early. Um, so you can just imagine the emotions that go with that. Um, so all of the proceeds that we have, um, that we create or build, um, in that event goes straight to her. Um, so once again, it'll be October 28th, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. We have some hairstyles that will be, I'll put all the information out on the podcast link on our social media. You can find our social media at Solid Foundations SB underscore SB, right? <laughs> I can't believe for I missed that website? right. No. Oh, for IG? Yeah. Yeah, it's underscore. Okay, SB. see, I was right. See, don't question yourself. <laughs> It'll be at Solid Foundations underscore SB. Um, you can also find it. Um, I'm also a hairstylist. I'll be working the event. If there's any hairstylist out there that would like to volunteer your time or any other business, that we, uh, business owners that want to volunteer and give something, we are doing um, gift baskets. 
So go ahead and email us. But once again, October 28th at Carmine Beauty, 9 to 6.